to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Second Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, Paul says, writing to the Corinthian church, he says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles or letters of commendation or of introduction to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ. Ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is, of the heart. Father, we come before you and I pray that you help us to make sense of this passage as we open up Second Corinthians chapter 3 today. And we get into the rest of the, the chapter next week. But Lord, help us to draw some nuggets of which we can walk away from here Understanding what Paul was talking about to the Corinthian church, but also how it might apply to our own individual, personal life, and how and what it is that we might take from this place today and make it a part of us in order for us to live for you. For we are your servants. We are your kids. Be with us this day and teach us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Speak through me, Lord. We have come here to hear you. Now bless the hearers and the hearts of those in this room or those that are listening to this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Paul says, do we again, do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need, as some others, epistles? Now the word epistle literally means a letter. It's, it's a letter. Uh, do we need a letter of commendation? The word commendation literally means uh, a presentation or an introduction. It's it's a it's it's uh, you know someone being presented as you know. And so Paul is saying, do we uh, do we need as some others do letters of introduction to you? Do we need to be introduced to you again, or, or do we need letters of commendation from you when we leave this place? You see, there is a there is this this mindset that we even have this day uh, that was prevalent even back in that day that you needed to have some form of documentation to uh, identify who you are. And what you are. Uh, Paul, he's saying, hey, do I need a letter? Do I need to say, you know, do I have to have a letter that says I'm Pastor Paul? You know, there's, there's those that, that think that someone can't teach because they're not a pastor. Or, or that, that somebody needs to have a, a, a documentation uh, that, that states that they're a pastor before they can get behind a pulpit and teach. And, and that's not necessarily the case. There, there's many people, there were many times that I got the opportunity to teach behind a pulpit long before I was a pastor. 
I had the opportunity to uh, shake in my boots, man, back in Bible college. Some of my... It was, it was really one of the highlights of my Christian life. And very young at, at that. I was 28, 29 years old. And uh, I was at the Bible college. And there was a family camp up at our conference center in Twin Peaks. And it would, there was five teachers that needed for the five days, Monday through Friday, that, that this family camp during the summer was going on. They needed five teachers. And uh, um, David Hawking who is a phenomenal teacher out in California. Uh, David Hawking was the one that was leading the conference. And so he did a lot of different uh, messages, but he, had to, he taught at, at the, the main session uh, in the evening time, the, the main session. So he taught one night of the main session. The second night, Pastor Chuck Smith spoke. The third night, my mentor, Larry Taylor, spoke, probably one of the greatest teachers I'd ever heard in my life at that point. The fourth night, another one of my favorite teachers ever in the whole wide world that I had really totally looked up to, his name was John Corson, he taught. And, uh, and then they asked me, would you teach the final night? I'm going... Okay, you got David Hawking, Chuck Smith, Larry Taylor, John Corson, and Don Haskins. Yeah, what's wrong with this picture? You know, uh, bear with me, please. And 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 as I got up to teach, David Hawking sat right where John is, and I'm like, okay, I'm glad that there was a pulpit here, so they didn't see that I had peed my pants. But. I was just a student. They, they thought, hey, wouldn't it be great to bring a student in here and to minister to the family camp? I don't know if anybody was ministered to, but it sure ministered to me. It blessed me. But here's the thing. I didn't have to be a pastor to teach them. I taught them out of Hebrews chapter 11 or Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, seeing that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us and let us look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and now sits down at the right hand of the Father. And it's just so loaded with, with, with uh, application. And, and, and I got the opportunity to joyfully teach these people, fearfully and joyfully teach. But sometimes we think we need to have a card. Or, or a, a, a diploma. Sometimes we think that, well, if the person has a couple of letters before his name, like doctor or pastor or, you know, whatever it is. Most Holy Reverend. I, I always have a problem with that name. There is not one reverend bone, reverend bone in my body apart from Christ. The reverence that I have is the same reverence that you have. The same holiness that I have is offered to you. Reverend. I'm not reverend. I'm not reverent. I'm a pastor. That's what I am. God is holy. And, and so here's the thing. Paul's going, are you kidding me? You're asking me to give you a letter? You see, there were some that were saying, hey, Paul doesn't have a letter of certification. Why are you listening to him? Paul goes, 
Are you kidding me? Do, you, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Do I have to come in here and defend who it is that I am and what it is that I'm doing? Seriously? Are you asking me to do that? Or do we need, as some others, because there were some others that were walking around with their little, and I don't know how they carried that because, you know, he talked about a tablet of stone. What do they do? They carry that tablet of stone saying, hey, you know, here's my tablet of stone that says I'm Pastor, Pastor Paul. Paul says, I don't, I don't carry that thing around. I am who I am. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. And I have something to say. Not because I have to say something. There's a big difference. You don't get up to speak because you have to say something. You get up because you have something to say. And that's Paul. Paul got up to speak because he had the glory of the Lord to speak to the people that they would see Jesus high and lifted up. He says, so are you saying that I, like, like some others, that feel the need to? And, and, and mind you, there are those that, that have those pieces of paper that put me to sleep, man. They put me to sleep. It's a hard thing to listen to some of them. Some of those guys are bozos. I, I hate to say it, but I do. Some of them, they just, there's no need to waste an hour of my time to listen to what this person says. There's a lot of churches out there, a lot of pastors that are out there that are sitting in pulpits that I don't, I, I don't care to listen to. I don't know about you guys, but I like to listen to messages during the week. That's one of the ways that I like to, to you know, uh, kind of just, just renew my spirit. I like to, I like to do that. I, I like, and right now I'm working out at our property, so we have no internet service, and it's driving me nuts because I have, I, I have a set of music on my phone that I'm like, I am so sick of the music that I'm listening to because I'm listening to it all the time. I'm like, I don't want to listen to any more of this, you know. But I found that if I go out to the street and I stand out there for about 15 minutes and download a message and then go back inside and it goes on for about a half an hour, it kind of breaks up the day a little bit, kind of slows me down a little bit, but man, it's so nice and so refreshing to hear a message. I, I, I don't want to have a show of hands because I don't want to embarrass anybody because maybe no hands would go up. I don't know. Maybe everybody's hands would go up. That'd be awesome. But do you refresh your mind with, with messages during the week? Do you refresh your mind with the Word? I hope you do. In those downtimes where you're really not doing anything, listen, you can pull up, you know, if you go, I don't really know of, of, of anything where I can get messages. Hey, listen, here is one of the greatest Bible apps. I use it every single week, probably five times a week, I will go on this app. It's called the Blue Letter Bible. It's the Blue Letter Bible. It's free. Get it on your phone. It has, it has my pastor, Chuck Smith, on it. It's free. It's a blue letter Bible. It has the Bible. It has commentaries on it. It's got interlinears on it. It's got dictionaries on it. You can sit there and, and, and hear on... It, it looks like this. You can go here and, and it has the Bible. I'm on 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I can tap on, on verse 1. And then verse 1, now it's going to make me a liar, watch. 
There we go. I can go in here and I can have cross-references. I can have translation comparisons. I don't ever look at those, so I don't even really know what they do. But they got commentaries. And in the commentary section, what it does is that it pops up a new, a new slide. And what happens is that at the top, there are text commentaries. I don't really go through the text commentaries. But what I like to do is that I'll, I'll pick up 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 4 through my pastor, Chuck... And here it's not working for some reason. You know why? Because I'm on our Wi-Fi. Our Wi-Fi just does not work here. Shall we turn tonight to the third chapter of Second Corinthians? And, and those of you who hear me try to do an impersonation of him, that's him. Had the detractors. But, but it's not just Chuck. It's got David Guzik in there, Bob Hoekstra, J. Vernon McGee, just little snippets of J. Vernon McGee. One of my best friends in the whole wide world, Bob Davis. He is, I'm, I'm going to have him come back here one of these days. Gave us his reasons. He, text, he and I text every week. And he didn't text me today, I'm going to get on him. But every, every Sunday we talk to each other. Joe Foch is on there. Phenomenal teachers. And I just sit there and I listen to it. And just listen to these guys, not just the messages. I, I go through where, where it is that, 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 you know, where I'm at, maybe in the Word at the time as I'm reading. You know, here's another thing that you can do. Um, and you come in here and you can, <laughs> got a lot of things open, you know. You can come in here. Here's a Bible program. It's a free Bible app. You know, it's through a... Uh, uh, International Bible Society, and you can get Bibles in here, and you can come in here and listen to Deuteronomy chapter 19. The Bible. When the Lord thy God hath cut off the nations whose land and you just sit there and listen to it, and allow the Word and dwellest in their cities and in to their refresh houses, your mind. Thou shalt separate three cities for Let it be the thing that occupies your mind during the week. Let it be the thing that occupies your mind during the week. And here's the thing. To listen to messages, to, 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 to listen to the word, to be a part of that and just allow it to flood your soul. Here's what was not happening. It, now, they didn't have the, the advancements in the technology that we have. But here's the thing. These guys, they, they were listening to different teachers who had these documentations. And no doubt, many of those guys who have those little letters in front of their names, they will let you know that they have those letters in front of their names to let you know that they know more than anyone else. And you need to listen to me. When in all actuality, God didn't have any little letters in front of any of these disciples' names. These guys were just guys. Fishermen? Tax collector? <laughs> He had guys here that were, that, that were just common everyday people that were moved by the Holy Spirit to speak to people. Now, Paul was a very learned man. But Paul says, I don't have to have a letter to come and teach you and to talk to you. Some others feel the need to do that. They need these letters of commendation or introduction to you or, or letters of, of commendation from you that when I leave here, I've got these letters saying, hey, Paul was a great you know, teacher. You know? Almost like that was their form of Yelp. 
You know, I've got a, I've got a, a letter that says these guys really liked me. These are my reviews. It's a letter of commendation. Paul says, do I need any of those things? No, you are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone or on parchment paper, but on the tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Paul says, the work that has been done in you should be my letter of commendation enough. What I share about you should be letters of commendation enough. God has moved in this city. God has moved in this church in Corinth. And you're asking me to give you a letter? You're, you're being tripped up by some of these guys that say, hey, show me his documentation that he knows what he's talking about. Look at the changed lives. That's what Paul's saying. Look at your lives. Look at who you are. You know, I, 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 listen, I didn't ask Yenneth to do that. I mean, what a blessing it was to me today. I mean, it brought tears to my eyes to hear the impact that, that this church, and even in some manner, I have had on her. And, and I sit here and I go, that blesses me, and it totally works into this message for this reason. Look at what God is doing in your life. Do, do, I, do I need to show that I have an ordination certificate on me to make it valid? No. She makes my ministry valid. And, and, and so does Paul literally need to have a commendation letter? No, he doesn't. Is there a reason for Paul to be commended? How about you? Is there a reason for you to be commended? Is there a reason for you to have a letter of commendation? What do I mean by that? Each of us, and I'm going to hurry through this very quickly, but each of us are in some manner shaping the lives of those who we have an influence upon. We all have that. You have that. You might go, well, I'm a very quiet person. Okay, you have, a, you have an influence on people that like to be quiet. They're watching your life. From a distance maybe, but someone's watching you and they're growing from you. Some of your attributes that you have, some of the traits that you display on a day-by-day basis, they're watching you and whether it be good or whether it be bad, it's helping to shape and stamp someone's life. What Paul is saying, hey, here what we have is, is that we have this this. This letter of commendation, this epistle, it's written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the flesh of the heart. And what he's saying is that everything I do, everything that I say, every reason that I breathe is to live for the Lord. So that my influence would be in such a way that as you look at me, you would see Christ. He says it two different times back in 1 Corinthians, doesn't he? Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I believe it's verse 16. And then also again in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1. He says something that is radical and I have a hard time saying it myself. But it's a goal of mine. But it was something that Paul did and it's something that Paul totally believed. And it was this, he said it twice, he said this statement twice. And I'm going to ask you as I say this, can you say this about yourself? And if not, why? Paul says, 
imitate me as I imitate Christ. Is Paul saying, hey, you need to do what I'm doing because I'm just that awesome. No, Paul's saying, you do what I'm doing because I'm doing what Christ is doing. I'm only doing what Christ has called me to do. I have been crucified with Christ, he goes on to say in in Galatia, doesn't he? Uh, to the Galatian believers in his letter. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Do you see the heartbeat of the, 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 the reason why Paul lives? He lives for Jesus. And if you live for Jesus, the influence and the splash that you make with the people around you, it's stamping people's lives with Jesus. Your influence is ministering to people, whether or not they ever approach you and let you know about that or not. Your influence is great. But now you might be a jerk. And people might look at you and say, yeah, uh, I don't ever want to be like that. Well, you see, you've been an influence on that person. Oh, I'm not an influence on anybody. Yeah, they looked at you and you're a jerk and they're going, man, I never want to be like that. And so you actually help to stamp their life. Now, don't take that as a commendation of, hey, I can continue to be a jerk because then I can show people what not to be. Well, I don't know that that's being Christ-like. I don't think that's being Christ-like. I think that that is being very selfish, living for yourself. Each one of us are in some manner shaping the lives of those that, who we have an influence upon. Maybe you're an, a parent. Your influence is upon your children, maybe. You could be single. Your influence is upon a sibling, a friend, or someone watching you from a distance. Maybe somebody you work with. You could be married. Your influence could be even upon your spouse. Your influence could be upon a parent or a coworker or a person you deal with in business on a consistent basis or a neighbor you rarely speak with where you live. It could be any number of people. It could be a child uh, or young man or woman who observes you from a distance and you have absolutely no idea that you're having the impact upon them as you are, good or bad. Because really, gang, how many of us can think of a person who has helped to shape our life and even to this day, they have no clue that they're responsible for the reason that you think a certain way, you act a certain way, or you respond a certain way. Every one of us can think of somebody like that right now, can't we? Some of you might have to think for a little bit. Listen to the message that will be on this week. On, online. You can go up on our website and you can listen to this message again. But I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the influence that you have on people. The point is, you are influencing a number of people at this moment in time in your life, even though you think nobody's watching. You don't think so? Think about yourself for a moment. Do you not observe others and determine whether what they do reinforces who you hope to be? If it's a good trade, it encourages you to see someone else do it. And, and, and a little of your dopamine is released into your system as your body rewards you for this positive feeling because somebody did something good. It's a good trait. You go, man, I really want that to be a part of my life. 
If it's not a good trait, you're discouraged maybe while you're inwardly reminded of what type of a person or characterization that you do not want to be or known for. There was a time in my life when I really looked up to a man who had an incredible influence upon my life. Even to make me into the man that I am today and the way that I look and study scripture and the, and the things that, and the way that I even teach, he was truly one of my greatest spiritual mentors. Not so much today. He was a teacher that would emphasize being a servant of Christ at all times. And he pounded that truth into my head and heart over and over and over again. And he would define a servant to be one that would extend to being a steward to the point of even keeping God's creation clean. Pointing out that even if you see something awry, if it's in your strength and your ability to perform it, just do it. This is God's creation. It's not yours. It's his. Now be a good steward. Do what you can do to be a good steward over God's creation. If there was a small piece of trash upon the ground, pick it up. It was around that time that I was in Bible college and, and each enrolled student was required to sign up for a course each semester called M199 Servanthood. And there was a few different divisions that you could sign up for. Kitchen, housekeeping, office, only like five people could go to the office, and maintenance. It seemed obvious which vein I would pierce as I chose maintenance. My first day in servanthood course, I was thinking that I was going to be building or fixing things in the large workshop, you know, to tap into my lifelong experience of being an airplane mechanic and using my mind and my skill to build, figure, and fix. So you can imagine the inward conversation in conflict that was going on inside my mind when instead of handing me a wrench or a hammer, my core superintendent, Les Sigorka, who turned out to be one of my great friends, he handed me two large heavy-duty plastic construction black bags and said, hey, why don't you start right here and for the next three hours of this class, make your way around this 26-acre conference center and pick up every piece of trash that you see no matter how small it is. In sinful and fleshly inward rebuttal, I was thinking to myself, I make airplanes fly. I can fix anything that you have here and possibly even make it fly. And you're assigning me gum wrapper duty? It took me the better part of that first day to settle down and let the Holy Spirit speak to me. Yes, I was shallow. And still shallow in areas. God's still working on me. But it took me a better part of that first day to settle down and let the Holy Spirit speak to me. Up until that point, the Holy Spirit couldn't get a word in edgewise. But somewhere along that third hour, the Spirit began bringing back to my remembrance what that mentor had been pounding in my head. Serve, serve, serve. Your life belongs to God. Serve Him. He reminded me of a, of a statement that Pastor Chuck's assistant, Pastor Romaine, little wee little man but you didn't cross him wrong <laughs> he was a fiery dude everybody loved him but he was a fiery dude he was an ex-drill sergeant hanging out with a bunch of hippies how do you think that's going to mesh you know it's funny there's a lot of great stories about that but Romaine's one of his famous statements that he always would say 
The litmus test of determining whether you are a servant is how you act when you're treated like one. Let that sink in for a second. The litmus test to determining whether or not you are a servant is how you react when you're treated like a slave. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fireworks. Do you get upset when someone treats you like a servant? Do you get upset when, when, when you know, someone tells you to do something and the immediate reaction, the immediate thought in your head goes... Ain't your slave? Oh, a servant is a slave. That's what that's what Romaine was saying. Serve, serve, serve. You really want to know whether or not you're a servant? How do you act when you when you're treated like a servant? Hey, can you go do that? You bet. Let me do it. Don't you love people that just do it and they don't complain? Wouldn't you want to be that person? Wouldn't you want to be that person that represents Christ? That impacted my life. But a crazy thing began to sink into my mind that third hour. Then down into my heart. And then finally consuming my spirit. God showed me how to turn this whole thing around. This trash picking up for His glory. The first two hours of jilted former aircraft mechanic turned air angry trash picker upper wondering with every single little stinking cigarette butt cancer stick that I picked up. Now numbering in the 100s, thinking to myself, who in the world smokes like a chimney at a Christian conference center, you know, for a retreat weekend? In that third hour, my countenance changed and I began to see things, not through my eyes, but now through the eyes that the Holy Spirit was now giving to me. Every single cigarette butt that I picked up changed from a Christian form of swearing. We do have our own form of swearing, don't we, in the Christian, in Christian lingo? Gosh, dang it. You heathen. <laughs> We could go on, but listen. It changed from that to a Christian form of serving. From Christian form of swearing to a Christian form of serving. Instead of cursing each butt, I began to pray specifically for the person who smoked that cigarette. And when I came to an area that had many of the same brand littering a very small area, I prayed for more for that individual. I began to envision this one who had smoked all those cigarettes in that location as quite possibly a person who was dragged up the hill to a Christian retreat by a loved one who only wanted to see them touched by God, who wanted to see them saved. And at every possible break, this one person would make his or her way out to this location and smoke away like crazy. Having these thoughts that were going through this person's mind while they, I was having these thoughts that would, could have been going through this person's mind that while they stood there quite possibly alone, battling back and forth the thoughts of why did I ever let this person drag me up here? What a waste of a weekend. To the other thoughts of, that were pros, possibly and probably going through that person's mind, the last speaker kind of made me a little uncomfortable. I mean, what if I did die in the near future? What would, would God be okay? With the life that I have lived up to this point? 
this internal struggle that was going on as this person is puffing away. <laughs> and I'm picking up every single one of them. I didn't have one of those little reach down things, you know, to pick up. It was these. <laughs> it's like, holy cow. Dude. You should own stock in Marlboro, you know? I mean... But I prayed for that person the longest, not only because it took me a long time to pick up their leftovers, but because I knew that God promised that his word will never return to him void. And that even though that this retreat, we're, we're, that retreat weekend was over for that person, the Holy Spirit could still speak to their heart, just as he spoke to my heart about my attitude. I prayed for that person's salvation. I can honestly say that I prayed for thousands of people because there's a lot of people that smoke cigarettes at Christian conference centers. Back to my original thought, that mentor of mine had drilled back into my had drilled into my mind and my heart what a servant looked like. I was with him one time a year or so after my angry trash picker up experience, and, and my heart had permanently changed in this, it had permanently changed in this area. And I was with him at one of his family members' home, and as we were leaving the house to get into a car to go somewhere, he noticed one of those advertisement papers, you know, the advertisement papers that they throw into your yard unsolicited. It had been there for probably a couple of days because the sprinklers had gone on or it had rained or something like that. And you know what happens to those things. They kind of just start melting down into your grass. He walked over there and he stuck his foot under that thing as he was walking to the car out in the middle of the, in, in, in this, his family member's uh, uh, lawn. He stuck his toe under this paper and he kicked it as hard as he could out in the street. Would you think about that for a second? Here's the man. He said, I hate these stupid things. They come unsolicited and they just trash up your yard. Kick. I was dumbfounded. This is the man that taught me to serve, 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 no matter where you are. God's creation, remember? He's kicking this paper from one one part of God's creation to another. He drilled into my head to be a servant at all times at every hour of every moment of my life and a steward of all things that God would have me. And then he goes and he does this and I had arrived at a crossroads in my spiritual life, gang. Thoughts raced through my head at that very moment. First, this guy, he had no clue what was going on in my mind at that time. But he was making an impression. He was writing something on my heart. These things that were racing through my mind, I'm going to be honest with you. The thoughts that went through my mind was, was, was everything that this guy said a lie? Is this guy a hypocrite? Is he a man who says one thing and yet does another? Is, is he someone that I should even allow to be a mentor in my life anymore? Does this guy even believe what he says? Is Christianity just a farce? Yes, my mind even went there. All because my mentor kicked a piece of trash out in the yard. Just something that was just nothing to him. He kicked a piece of trash out into the street. A piece of trash. He wrote something on my heart. 
God, I don't know how you can speak so gloriously through this man and this guy be Balaam's donkey at times. (laughs) But what you show me is that you use imperfect people to accomplish your purposes. He can still be a mentor. But the seeds that come from this watermelon that I'm consuming in this guy, I got to spit them out. And you know what? There's always. Do you understand that term? You understand that that illustration? A watermelon message, a watermelon person, a watermelon message. A watermelon's good to eat. The seeds, not so much. What do we do with the seeds? We spit them out. There's things that aren't good and you spit them out. This is one of those seeds in my life. I was around this guy a lot and I learned so much from this man. So much from this man. But that little incident was a seed that God said, you just need to spit that one out. Doesn't make the rest of the, of the, the, the fruit of his ministry invalid. It just means that there's a seed there that's not good. I'm still working on him too. And God is still working on him. He's had some differences and some some issues in his life that have taken him down a different road right now, but I trust the Lord with him. The thing is, is that the guy was one of the greatest mentors in my life. And he taught me who to be. He taught me how I could be a Christian. In the good things and the bad things that he did, he was a phenomenal teacher. I loved his teaching. I loved how he opened up the word of God and just made it come alive. Here's the thing. I walk today as an epistle to that guy because he made that kind of an impression on me. My life today validated his ministry back then. And I ask you, those that you have influence over, those who God brings into your life, whether or not you think you have an influence on them or not, you're stamping their life in some manner or another. When you look at their lives, are they an epistle of your life? Are you proud of that epistle? I say this as a challenge to us to consider every aspect of our life because those areas where we selfishly say, you know what, what I'm doing hurts no one else. Oh, you might silently believe that, but you're affecting other people. You've got to stop. Be Christ. Let's be the Lord. Let's truly live Jesus to where Not just love Jesus, but live Jesus where when we live our lives around the people that we influence, it could be the stock boy at the grocery store that watches you from a distance and you have no clue, no clue that that person sees you come in on a day-by-day basis. But there's something about you that the Lord has placed in that young man or young woman's uh, uh, mind that says, look at this guy. And for some reason, they look at you and they watch you. 
Do you complain? Do you, do you belittle? Do you argue? What, I, I, or do you bless? Do you minister? Are you kind? Are you gentle? Are you Christ-like? Do they look at you and go, that is a, that's something. Something about, there's something about that person. I want that to be in my life. You and I, gang, we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer us who live. It's Christ who lives in us. And the wake that we live, that, that we leave behind us. You know what a wake is, right? A boat going through the water. You look behind the boat. Up in front, you just see the body of water. But as your boat goes through, what's the front of the boat called? The stern? Bow. bow. The bow. The bow goes through and it splits the water and it makes a V. And you turn around and you see the, the ripple effect, the wake well, yours and my life is the bow. And we're going through this world. And the wake that we leave, is it a good wake? Is it a wake where people will be drawn to Christ? Because if not, we're failing. If not, we're failing. And we need to be challenged to ask the Lord, change me in order for me to leave a wake of you. God, help me to leave a wake of you that I may say, as Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. For then you will write epistles of Christ upon the hearts of people. Every single one of us can do that. You don't have to be a pastor. If you're a Christian, you're leaving a wake. What kind of wake are you leaving? I challenge you with that, church. Let's go and live for Jesus this week. Amen? Father, thank you so much for today. We pray, Lord, that you would do this work in our life. Help us to leave that wake of you, Jesus, wherever we go. Regardless of how frustrated we might get in certain situations, God, do a change in every one of our hearts. Do a change in my heart first. And I only say that because I'm, I'm speaking personally for myself. But as I say it, I, I, I'm hoping and praying that everybody else is praying that for themselves. Lord, start with me. Help me to reflect you in every aspect of my thought life, my action life, my emotional life, my entertainment life, psychological and spiritual life. Lord, let you... I pray, God, that you would light the way. You would cut through the, the waters of this world. And with you as the captain of my boat, the wake that would be left behind me would be one that would draw people to you. God, may, pe may people see you in us. Help us, Lord, not only to love you, to love Jesus, but to live Jesus. That we might radically impact this world around us, as Paul did. As you have called each and every one of us to do. Whether we're quiet or whether we're loud, whether we're an extrovert or whether we're an introvert, 
may your glory be seen in our wake. For your glory. May we live for you from this day forward. I pray this upon my brothers and sisters, my family, in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word.